0: No one ever says, I saw this Facebook ad. Maybe once in a while, the ad is so crazy, but that's not how it works. It's like, I read this article in Washington Journal or I read this article on this mom or dad blog. You should check it out. Here's this
1: Instagram blog
0: I follow, check it out. That stuff actually really, really matters.
1: Welcome to Marketing Conversations with Lamp House Films, the show where we bring you direct access to tips and insights from today's marketing thought leaders. I'm your host, Josh Henry. If you haven't yet, make sure to sign up for our email list. We post bonus content there every week, including extended interviews from our guests. We get into some really great practical tips in there, you do not want to miss it. Today on the show, we have Jackson, the general manager of direct-to-consumer business at Clorox. Now at Clorox, Jackson has his hands in a lot of different brands. Some brands that everybody's heard of, like Clorox Wipes, and some brands that you probably haven't heard of. In our conversation, we talk about the things that are consistent in marketing in both of those applications and the things that are specific to each one, particularly PR. It's a really good conversation. I learned a lot and I think you will too.
0: I think that adoption you know d to c for certain categories like fresh grocery and other categories is the slowest right people are willing to get on with amazon and, and buy certain things when it comes to buying your pears and, and strawberries and apples and milk and eggs that's been the hardest and once you get that down then you have mass adoption that's what we're starting to see as a forcing function right for the force of nature like literally like created this opportunity now, where I think, well, if I can buy groceries, I can buy anything online, right? If I can trust my my eggs and my milk to come to me, then I can trust anything. And I think that's what's happening. And I think obviously, coupled with people not wanting to go into stores, and people will go back to stores, they already are, and they will get back to normal at some point, that's not going away. But the permanent behavior shift is there, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And it's not like COVID created this trend. No.
0: Accelerated yeah. it. I, I do think for DTC brands, it's the same. You still need to brand. So you need to tell a story. You're very data-driven, data-inspired, I like to say, versus data-driven. You, you're more uh, probably quick to market. You, you're more likely to fail and try new things, and you rely on data way more, mm-hmm. right? First-party data and attributes, and, and you pivot much quicker. So I think the only difference is, you're gonna try a bunch more things in D to C when it comes to your brand and marketing and you'll pivot accordingly, you know, but it's still telling a story. It's still getting people excited, showing the value prop, the benefit. You might use less or creative at times. We also might, use very sexy, beautiful, aesthetic, creative. You might use influencers or consumers. So in some respect, it's exactly the same. In other respects, it is very different, And but it is a combination of brand and performance. And then having that to me also is very important is the contextual relevance, right? You need that instinct, that emotion, especially in 2020. People care about the values of a brand and what they stand for and can they relate to it? So I think there's that aspect of the data there's no data that will show you that in an ad, right? Like no data will show up to say, hey, people care about it. you're standing up for a cause. Like that's not how that's gonna work. That's gotta be you know, from here.
1: So you guys obviously, I mean, Clorox is, you guys have a lot of really big brands that you're operating. And so how much are you thinking about branding versus getting a direct return? And is that varying significantly platform to platform?
0: It, it is, although I'd argue Instagram especially is as much about brand and performance, right? So yes, it is a click, but you know, sometimes it's a follow. Right? Some of people just follow the brand to kind of engage with them and then buy later. And Instagram is very, as you know, designed forward, very visual. So sometimes uh, we couldn't just do like buy one, get one free on Instagram without a beautiful visual or something that gets your attention. So it's a combination, but yeah, the other channel, it's a balance, right? We, we have to balance out, you know, our performance metrics versus our brand metrics. And uh, every channel plays a different role at a different time. And certain brands at, at, at Clorox also are different, right? So I launched, we launched a wellness brand called Objective eight months ago. No one knows that brand, it's pretty small. So we really need to build brand presence. So there's a lot more effort going on there. You know, I mean, we don't need to tell people about the brand of Clorox cleaning wipes, right? right. We just have to say, it's available now, come buy it. Um, so it, it definitely varies on the scale from a brand no one knows to a brand that everyone wants and can't get.
1: Yeah, for sure. And within, within your industries, I guess, industries, because you're sort of spanning a little bit. How do you, what do you feel like is changing as far as how you're getting to your consumer?
0: Yeah, from a DTC standpoint in my category, I would say it was pre-COVID, so nothing really new. Um, I would actually say what's old is new. So I think your referrals from friends, I think that's always going to be the thing. If you you want, especially if you're in medium or high consideration, so less CPG actually, but more like wellness products or technology where it's a high cost or perceived high risk to your body or family, right? Something we're putting in you. I think- that's where the referrals will be far more important, right? So this idea that, hey, if I'm at brunch or dinner with my friends, I'm going to ask them what toys they bought for their kids or what foods they're buying for the kid who has the allergies uh, or, or whatever those things are that I'm going to spend time researching. That, that's always been a high driver and that has continued to be the case. So nothing can compete with that.
1: So driver, aside so. from having an amazing product, how do you encourage people to do that? Like, is there a way through your marketing communications that you can encourage a Great that?
0: question i uh, amazing product. First and foremost, I'm, I'm always like product. That was my first hire as my head of product for a reason, right? Like your product has to be on point period. Uh, but then a distant second is it, definitely like loyalty programs. I think help, right? People kind of shit on loyalty programs oftentimes, but they don't have to be structured as like, Buy 10, get 11 free, right? That's one way of doing it. It's an old school way of doing it. There's a lot of ways to structure loyalty. Loyalty can be structured by a system that allows people to give you feedback, um, specifically on new products that you're going to launch and get them involved in the RD cycle and show them, hey, you had this idea. Now we're making it, right? That's a cool way of rewarding loyalty. So I think there's a lot of ways to reward loyalty. Get them out to trips, uh, give them virtual experiences, give them an interview one on one with the, the executive, the CEO of the company. I think people look at loyalty as like, oh, it's just a monetary thing. Loyalty is find so many ways. I think that's how you reward your key, key folks, key customers, and, and they will then refer you. It's this endorsement from a credible source. And it's not, no one ever says, I saw this Facebook ad, maybe once in a while, the ad is so crazy, but that's not how it works. It's like, I read this article on Wall Street journal, or I read this article on this mom or dad blog, fatherly, whatever, you should check it out. Here's this Instagram blog I follow, check it out. That stuff actually really, really matters. So I think PR, getting the right people editorial to write and talk about your product is critical and that's what we've done to the digital ecosystem has allowed a lot more people to have a voice and that's all editorial it's not just paid influencers it's editorial and i think for me i've hired a great person who has freelancers and we have a small a group of people working and supporting her, but like she, she's um, she just has good relationships. She has a good a mindset of strategic storytelling. We have a narrative and a story we want to tell, and then we have a strategy of how we're going to tell it. And then she goes and pitches people and builds relationships.
1: Yeah, and I feel like that's just so much more just efficient too, because other people are writing the articles and other people are paying for the ads.
0: Sure. Yeah, and think about your costs. You're paying for the salary and maybe some freelancers. Mm. That's it. Unlike advertising, you're constantly paying five dollars, ten dollars, thirty dollars, hundred dollars CPMS. Here it's like, hey. And at some point, that pays for itself, right? She gets 10 or 12 articles, you get a couple of Wall Street Journal articles, you got HuffPo, you get a Vulture or an Elite Daily. Oh my God, dude, like, and we see the spikes in traffic. We see, and guess what else gets a lift? SEO, because uh, PR journalists, those are the huge SEO, right? Page one, right, Google, any product, it's SEO. Amazon gets a big lift if you're selling on Amazon. What's the first thing you do oftentimes when you research a product is you go on Amazon and then go Google and see what else you can read about it. Or you read an article and then you go to Amazon to buy it. It works both ways.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people think of marketing as our ads or our creative or whatever. And I feel like what I've been learning is like, that is like 10%.
0: It's one part of it. Yeah. And they all work together, right? Without the ads or other beautiful creative, the SEO isn't going to be as powerful. You want you want to land on a site that tells a story. You want to, you want the ads to work together, you know, paid search and, and organic search have always been historically separated from an agency standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, which is crazy to me to think about. Hmm. Uh, I get why, but they work hand in hand, right? How many times do you, maybe I'm a, Bias marketer, I pass the ad. I know exactly what I want, even though the ad takes me to where I want, I don't wanna give that click to them. I go down to organic search, but there's an ebb and flow there, they work together. So to me, yeah, it, it all works together. You can't have one without the other, but you're right, it's not just about the big, beautiful creative, and it's not just about uh, PR the SEO, it, it, it's truly integrated.
1: Thanks for watching another episode of Marketing Conversations with Lamp House Films. Lamp House is a production company that focuses on film-centered marketing campaigns. If you want to chat with us about your next campaign, we would love to hear from you. You can reach me directly at josh at lamphousefilms.com. We have a lot of great guests on the way and a lot of great bonus content. To make sure that you don't miss any of it, use the link in our description to sign up for the email chain. I'll see you there.